Remember during the pandemic, we were noticing things where crime was occurring. And one of the things, the stories that popped out and popped out early and it did not go away was an increase in domestic violence. And we talked about it in the GTA. We talked about it in Toronto. We talked about it as a whole here in Canada. And I also talked about it all around the world in the United States. Also in the UK, they really saw a rash of domestic violence against women. Well, now there's been another series of violent attacks against women, and these are murders in the GTA. And does this tie in? Are we seeing a pattern here? Joining us is Dr. Topway Adafarakan. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. All right. And uh, the doctor is instructor of sociology at the University of Toronto, co-chair of the Women's Centre for Social Justice, and sits on the Ontario Domestic Violence Death Review Committee. All right. As we're, we're looking here, we did see those things in the pandemic. And when you add up all these murders and these attacks on women, you can't get it out of your head that this is a pattern. How much of a disturbing series of incidents is this in your professional opinion? Um, well, it's extremely disturbing and um, undoubtedly it is a pattern. It is a pattern that um, the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic has really brought to light in terms of and actually compounded with respect to um, women and girls and uh, women and children and, and other uh, folks as well that are feminized i.e. trans and non-binary peoples as well, um, being really, really vulnerable and um, it being so much more difficult for them to um, escape and to leave these abusive relationships and situations. Um, so the patterns um, are have been there for, for quite some time, but the pandemic has really shone a light on it. It has, but how has it made these things happen? Have we figured that out yet? During the pandemic, it was people being at home and you could see that vulnerability, but we are seeing, we're seeing these, this rash of killings here. We're also seeing a rise in violence in so many other ways, not just in Canada, but again, around the world. Do we have any hints on why? Is this a, a human frustration or are we seeing people not being able to control things that were already there and a problem in our society? Well, I think it's 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 all of the above, really. Um, there is a lot that that is coming to the fore as a result of, um, and it's being compounded. There's a lot that that's happening with respect to, you know, um, inflation. Um, it's, uh, it's really difficult now with respect to a rise in, um, affordability of, of housing. Um, there are issues in terms of just being able to afford groceries and, you know, so these situations, um, with respect to the barriers, they just heighten the barriers that, uh, women have, um, with respect to not being able to, to leave these really difficult and violent um, situation, so it makes them much more vulnerable. Um, and I think what is um, also what is also being brought to the fore is how um, much more vulnerable uh, women are with respect to uh, racialized women, black women, 
um, Indigenous women um, who have been dealing with these kinds of patterns uh, even prior to uh, the pandemic. And so you see that even uh, heightened as well. And you see those types of situations um, increasingly um, difficult. You know, this story, ever since the beginning, the first one I ever covered, it was always the same. Do we listen to women? Do we take it seriously? And I know in this story, it's connected with uh, police referring some of these cases here as they see. You know, are we seeing a, a gap in consequences that are are put upon men when they're accused of these things. I mean, the story just goes on and on, and it's a very simple question, but why can't we stop it? Why is there no way to intervene? And that's the key word, isn't it? There are always warning signs here. Right. Yeah, there are always, I mean, um, you hit the nail on the head there. There are always warning signs. And um, in terms of the the situation um, with respect to systems, systems often, um, the culture of not believing women, the culture of um, not understanding the warning signs or ignoring the warning signs or dismissing the warning signs are so deeply embedded oftentimes that um, the patterns just um, become so much more normalized, right? And so when women are reaching out when women are saying that, you know, this, you know, this man has hurt me and this man continues to hurt me and that the bail conditions, for example, um, need to be much more stringent. Um, these types of situations are, are overlooked. And we get back to why, as I said, you know, as I'm doing this, the stories I'm talking to you and I think of how many years we've been trying to call attention to this and look at what year it is right now. I mean, what what are the barriers to this? And it isn't just women, as you say. It's all sorts of vulnerable people. What are we closing our eyes to here? And what will it take, in your opinion, to make people wake up? I mean, we're talking about it now, but people have talked about it before. It gets so frustrating and so sad. Yeah, it does, um, without a doubt. And, I mean, the costs are lethal, really, right? And so when we're, um, in terms of be, just being able to really understand that uh, systems need to understand that there is a pattern here. Systems need to understand that rather than looking at the situation as one where, you know, as an individual situation or situation where, you know, uh, a woman is being in, is involved in uh, with a, a difficult man or um, not believing a woman, really understanding how the systems and the laws and the legislation are really reproducing these situations where men are let off the hook um, and women are not um, believed or women are not understood. And if we have all, we do, we have a lot of programs, we have a lot of discussion about it, but now we're still talking about it. Have we been approaching this in the right way, in your opinion? No, I don't think we have. I think one of the things mm-hmm. that is, is really challenging is the way systems tend to um, see women um, within, in a blanket way or the, ignore, the ignoring of uh, particularly the most vulnerable women. I think when we really take a look at the experiences of the most vulnerable uh, women and feminized folks and we see that um, 
even there are times when, you know, like the systems are complicit, right? Where policing is complicit, there's state-sanctioned violence, Mm -hmm. um, that we really need to be able to take a look at that and where, where those histories are coming from. So if we're thinking about Indigenous women, for example, and, you know, the 231 calls to action, um, that um, uh, were put in place uh, as a result of the, the national inquiry of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. We know that there's a long history there of seeing um, ideas that are associated with Indigenous women and girls and two-spirited peoples as somehow being less than, as not being worthy. Um, and those histories uh, play a role with respect to the ways that um, violence against them is not really taken seriously. Thank you for joining us. And uh, hey, I, I mean, I, it's over and over again and all these conversations and inquiries. And here we are again. It's very sad, as I said, very, very frustrating. Dr. Topway Adafarakan, instructor of sociology at the University of Toronto, co-chair, Women's Centre for Social Justice, and sits on the Ontario Domestic Violence Death Review Committee. Thank you, doctor. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm Arlene Bonin on this Monday night. This is On Point.